0: Hello, welcome to Life Lessons from a Total Failure, the podcast. Before I start today, I want to take a minute and think about the name of this podcast, Life Lessons from a Total Failure. Notice it's not called Life Lessons from a Guy that Everything Goes Smoothly for. And I have a really good story to illustrate why it's not called Life Lessons from a Guy that Everything Goes Smoothly for. On Monday, I had Montague come in to be a guest for the podcast. We had a great time recording an amazing podcast. It was laugh out loud funny. He had me laughing so hard. I actually had to go back to edit out my laughing because I was laughing over him. It was a great episode and I was just so thankful Monty could come because he's a really busy guy. After he left, I went back and started editing out my hyena-like laughter and somewhere along the editing line, I did something and my computer froze. My computer froze and I had to restart it. And when I restarted it, I saw that I didn't save it right, and it was gone. Luckily, Pete was here, and he showed me the folder with temporary files that somehow we deleted. So this great podcast that I did with busy, funny man, Monty Gear, is no more. And it's Tuesday. I'm supposed to put an episode up tomorrow. Luckily, Monty's coming back on Friday. He was nice enough to understand, and he's coming in, and we're going to give it a round two which will probably make it an even better episode, so stay tuned, but I just thought that was a really good example of a story that shows why my brand is life lessons from a total failure. All right, now that's out of the way. It is Wednesday and I wanted to make sure we had something for you guys, so I decided that I was going to answer some questions that I got a lot on the Red Umbrella Tour and some questions I got in my inbox from people listening. At every single stop on the Red Umbrella Tour, I was always asked one question, no matter where I was. Why did you write a book? Well, I wrote my book for a few reasons. I guess it started because I had gone through so much trauma and drama, and I was just trying to process it. So writing it out, and stepping outside of it, and looking at it as a story, really helped me to make sense of it. It was a way for me to see how things unfolded, what part I had to play in it, what I could have done differently and, and how to maybe save myself from making the mistakes again in the future. So that definitely um, was the, the cathartic reason to try to like really process. The second reason I wrote the book was kind of unexpected to me at first. When I had gone through all I had gone through and I was trying to move on, I wasn't really you know excited to tell people what had been going on in my life. I, I think it's a very common thing. You know, You have things in your life that you aren't proud of you try to hide them. We don't want people to know the worst of us. We don't want them to know our failures and the, t- the ways we've screwed up. So we kind of sweep them under the rug. So for a long time, I wasn't really telling people what had gone on in my life. When I started to actually process it and I started telling people, their reactions really surprised me. Not only did they not judge me, but I think they felt a little bit more of a kinship with me because they've been there in some way, shape, or form. It may not have been the same way that you know I was. They may not have had the same you know experiences that I did, but they could understand how I felt. They could relate to it. And the more I started to tell my story, the more people opened up and told me theirs. And that was really surprising to me. I'm a guy who doesn't have a big problem talking and expressing my opinions, feelings, and even telling my issues. But I know that's not the case for a lot of people. And I realized the more open I was to people, the more they could be open to me. And, you know, maybe it was good for them. Maybe they needed someone to start a dialogue so they can tell their story. And that was really important to me. And the final reason had to do with the first two reasons. After I had processed what I had gone through and realized that so many other people had felt the same way about things that happened in their life, I started thinking about all those years I spent feeling so horrible about what I had done in my life. It dawned on me at one point that if I felt that way, a lot of people probably feel that way in their life, and it made me really sad. Life is so hard as it is that we don't need to punish ourselves for things that have already happened. Things happen, we learn from them, we move on, and that's that, we need to learn to let go. So I thought that maybe my story and and how I got from point A to point B might show other people that they can too. And by doing that, it might alleviate some of the pain that they feel in their life. The thought of so many people feeling so much pain makes me really sad. And I hope that we can really help each other learn that it's okay when we make mistakes, it's okay when we fail, and it's okay just to move on and and, and forgive ourselves. Okay, now on to your questions. I actually have a bunch that came to my inbox and thought it'd be fun to just go through them and, and answer a few. Janet in Oklahoma City writes, Hi, MJ. I saw your podcast on iTunes and chuckled at the name, so I downloaded and listened to it. Really enjoyed it and looking forward to more episodes. I also purchased your book and I'm almost done. Loving it, but made me wonder something. You seem to have worked really hard to move on from failure and the bad things in your life. Do you hate that your whole life is now built upon talking and rehashing old wounds? Do you want to put it behind you sometimes? Well, thanks for the email, Janet. I appreciate it. And it's an interesting question, because you know I don't really think about it as a wound anymore um it's healed it's it's run its course now I think about it as this like learning experience of my life that I can always draw from, and I'm also really happy that I have this experience to really use to kind of do my thing and help others you know see the light of day when they feel like they can't find it so I kind of spun it for me. I really, really think of it as this great thing that happened in my life because it got me to where I am today. My next question is from Kyle who is in Houston. Hey MJ, so glad you are doing this podcast. I saw you when you came to the Barnes and Noble Westheimer and have been following along ever since. Can't wait for the TV show. I was just wondering what your favorite part of the tour was. You seemed to go everywhere and did such amazing things. The red umbrella pictures always made me smile. Well, thanks for the question, Kyle. And I remember you from the signing. So thank you so much for following along all this time. That's pretty great. And before I answer your question, I just have to say that my thoughts and all my energy is going to you and the city of Houston. It's been so awful to see what's been going on down there. Um, Houston was the first major city outside of Southern California that I went to on the tour and, and for book promotion. And it was such a great experience and I loved everything about it and I'm just hoping that everybody gets through okay and the city can come back and and thrive as I know it will because we know one thing about Texas it's people are tough and and they can get through anything and just really sending positivity your way and now for the question um undoubtedly it was the people I got to meet so many amazing people and I also got to reconnect with people I haven't seen in years all over the country and it was just so incredible. You know, the natural beauty of this country is is unbelievable. You, every state has something that is, you know, inspiring. But really for me it was connecting with people and talking and sharing stories and getting able to do that was was really the most incredible experience, and it's something I know that I'll never regret no matter how hard it was, how exhausted I was, how long I was gone from home. You know, when I'm 80 years old, God willing, and I'm reflecting back on my life, this will be one of the biggest moments, and I'll always think back about how great it was that I got to go and see so many things and and meet such amazing people. So the last few questions all come from the same person, and I decided to read them because some of them are pretty funny. Uh, They come from my friend Kathy in Northern Ireland, and she is one of my friends that I met when I lived abroad in my 20s. We all lived in Galway, Ireland, and worked at a pub, and it was an amazing, amazing experience, and I'm still friends with them, and they're coming over in October, we're going to do Vegas, and they're going to experience Los Angeles, it's going to be great, and if you read the book, they're the Irish girls I talk about. So Kathy has a couple questions, and I'm going to read some of them. I know she's expecting answers that all involve her, but you know this isn't about her, this is about me. So uh, let's uh, go with some of her questions. Number one, what's your favorite karaoke song, and what's your favorite memory of singing it? Okay, so she clearly wants me to talk about how we all became friends, and it involved a night of karaoke on Good Friday in Ireland, way back in the early O's, and uh, I wasn't really close to these guys, and I got invited to a party that they were at, and I went, and uh, drinks started flowing, and a karaoke machine came out, and before you uh, knew it, I was pushing people out of the way to grab the mic, and I was singing the B-52s, Love Shack, and they all became my backup singers, and then they you know, took over and sang it themselves, but from there, we all became really good friends, and it was a very important night in our friendship, so the answer she wants to hear is the B-52s, Love Shack. The real answer is Take Me Home, Country Roads by John Denver, because I love how excited people get when I sing that song. Number two, is it true you once wore all your luggage to avoid excess baggage costs on a flight from Amsterdam to Northern Ireland? Yes, that is true. So if you've ever been in Europe, you know they have these low-cost airlines to go to different European countries. And Ryanair, back in the early O's, used to sell airfares for a penny. All you had to do was pay the taxes. It sounds too good to be true, but it was true, and I don't know how they made any money, but it worked for me, and I got to see all of Europe because of it. So they would get you on costs like if you wanted to reserve your seat, you had to pay for that. If you wanted a drink, you had to pay for that. If you wanted um, priority boarding, you pay for that. Your luggage, you got one carry-on item, so a purse, a backpack, nothing bigger than that. Well, I was going to Ireland from Amsterdam and, you know, Ireland is very unpredictable when it comes to weather, so you have to pack accordingly and I was trying to fit everything in the backpack. So, I shoved so much stuff in there it was, you know, the sides were splitting and when I got to the gate agent, she said no, I I couldn't do that. I had to take stuff out. So, me refusing to spend the money cuz either didn't have any or I was just in my 20s and thought I could, you know, figure something out. I took out all my clothes and put them all on. So I was, you know, wearing three pairs of pants with shorts over it and, you know, five t-shirts, two sweaters and a coat on top of it. I looked like a complete and total mess of a person. I was pouring sweat, but was so funny about it. They were laughing so hard. They just kind of got me through security. And as soon as I got to the other side of security, I could rip all the stuff off and, and I didn't have to pay anything. So, ha, take that right in there. I gotcha. All right, another question is What joke still makes you laugh out loud? All right, well, I have an issue with remembering jokes. Um, the only joke I really remember for sure, I learned in 2006, and I haven't um, thought, I haven't been able to retain another one since then, and it's dirty, so I can't tell it. I recently heard another funny joke, but I can't remember the whole thing, and it's dirty also, so I try to keep this podcast with a very clean rating, so I'm going to skip that one. If you could choose any career other than what you are doing, what would it be and why? All right, well, if I was the person that could do it, I couldn't because I'm too emotional, but in a perfect world, I would be a hospice nurse because I have seen how important they are and what they do, and and it's so admirable what they do because they come into a situation that it's just, just the worst, and they are there for the sole purpose of helping people get through very hard times in their lives and, and helping, you know, smooth the transition for people that are dying. And it's, it's just, it's such an intense experience and a good hospice nurse can really make all the difference. So hospice nurse, but in this life as the guy that I am today, I could never do that. So I would have to say selfishly, I would run tours to Ireland because that's my favorite place in the world. I love to show people Ireland and it would be really fun for me because I would get the best of all worlds. I'd get to meet new people, I'd get to spend time in a place that I love, and you know, I can get a paycheck from it. So an Irish tour guide, that would be that would be a great career for me. All right, this is a funny one to us. Do you think an expensive bottle of wine should be kept and just looked at or opened and enjoyed with friends? <laughs> okay, so when my friend Siobhan and Kathy came to visit in two thousand and nine, They were at my house and I had to go to work. And, you know, what you do when you have company, I said, help yourself to whatever you want. There's food in the cabinets. There's, you know, alcohol. Take whatever you want. I forgot to tell them that I had a bottle of wine that was worth about $500. So when I came home and saw that they had, you know, finished that bottle of wine, I immediately felt a sense of loss because I didn't get to try that wine. But then turned and said, you know, oh, hey, how is this wine? And Shabon likes wine, so she was like, Oh, it was good, yeah, I really liked it But Kathy was like, Oh, it's fine, whatever, wine's wine, just drink it down You know, she probably would have been thrilled with two buck chuck and here she would have been drinking five hundred dollar bottle of wine and, and probably, you know, added you know, sprite or something to make a spritzer. Um, it was it was definitely a learning lesson now when I leave and I have people staying here, I always say, you know, oh, have anything you want, but don't touch the stuff on the bottom shelf, you know, that that's that's the the different stuff that, you know, is for special occasions. The last question that I'm going to use from her is who came up with the name of the book and what would it have been if you if you didn't call it Life Lessons from a Total Failure. Well, I came up with the title. Um, I really liked it. I thought it was fun. I thought it was, you know, kind of tongue in cheek, and it kind of got my message across. Um, I was gonna call it "It's Okay" because that's what I wanted people to understand: is that it's okay when you screw up, and it's okay if life isn't going the way you want. Um, so originally, it was be called it was gonna be called "It's Okay," but when I decided to change to "Life Lessons from a Total Failure," I didn't realize how important the title was gonna be because most people who pick up my book or are listening to this podcast or follow me in any way, shape, or form is because they see life lessons from a total failure and they can relate. So I'm really glad I stuck to that title because it's definitely been a good selling point for me. All right. I know that wasn't exactly the episode that I promised, but I had fun answering those questions and I hope you didn't mind it too much and we'll continue to listen. So. Next week, we will have Monty Gear, and we have some other amazing guests coming up this month as well, so make sure you hit subscribe, and if you can, review and rate us, because it really helps us on iTunes and on the charts. Also, I want to take a minute to say a big thank you to the first patrons that I received for the podcast. So thank you to Colin Cummings and Art Paseco for being my first Patreon patrons. I really, really appreciate the support. I absolutely love getting to this podcast. It is so much fun and want to be able to continue doing it for a long time to come. But it takes a lot of time and money, and that's where you come in. If you think you'd like to donate, check us out on Patreon at patreon.com slash LLTF the podcast. Or you can donate via Venmo at LLTF the podcast.